Real Marketing Rap is brought to you by Tim Bush and me, Joe Edwards. And we talk about everything marketing. We'll tell you as it is, jargon free and no BS. We'll have guests every week from high rollers to first starters, all from different industries and disciplines within the marketing world. We're here to set the record straight with nothing but marketing realness. Hey Tim, how's tricks? Very good, mate. Very good. How's things? Yeah, really well, dude. Um, I've been all over the shop. Oh, I've just dropped a remote. Um, I've been all over the shop uh, since Christmas, really. Um, I know we've we've we managed to get one episode out since then, but yeah, it's been pretty crazy. Lots of uh, lots of fun. Lots of uh, meeting new people and learning new things. Um, and I've just got to say, congratulations, mate, on your new job. Thank you. you. Know, yeah, very exciting. You've probably got like what most marketers want as a job title at the end of their career, and you're not even forty yet. I am, but well, you've just hit forty then. I mean, Jesus, you've done bloody well. I'm just twenty-one and a bit. It's just yeah, quite a few 21 bits. And, uh, Nineteen <laughs> plus nineteen years. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, congratulations, dude. Thank it you, sounds mate. like an exciting new challenge for you, man. Yeah, I can't wait, actually. Uh, start tomorrow, at least in the, the, the time we're recording this anyway. Uh, we start tomorrow. I would have started by the time this actually goes out. But um, but yeah, really, really excited. Can't wait. Thank you, mate. Well done, well done. Well deserved. Cool, cool. And uh, yeah, I've been doing quite a bit of travelling um, this month as well, just leading into kind of wrapping up my old job. So I've been out in Dubai and all sorts of places. So uh, yeah, I'm actually looking forward to uh, staying in London for a little bit. Yeah, I can. I can imagine. I can imagine. Um, cool, cool. So, um, yeah, we've got an awesome episode um, this week. So, uh, you unfortunately couldn't make the interview with John, which is a, a real shame. But, um, but yeah, this week we're joined by John Landau, who's um, a total startup um, guru. He's been at a whole bunch of B two B startups, Huddle, and many others, and he's really specialising in that whole kind of um, scaling up. Um, from an operations perspective and this week we really dig into operations and how that links in with with marketing um, we also go a little bit off topic and start digging into kind of physical and mental health in the workplace which is something that both john and i are really passionate about so um, yeah some great stuff around that and um yeah just tons of tips for trying to think about introducing kind of more rigor around setting uh, kpis or, or okrs as we we kind of uh, um, dig into in this episode and uh, yeah, more a- more acronyms we indeed. need to shoot those acronyms <laughs> down to the ground and just say what they mean oh yes <laughs> keep yeah it took me a while i was like what the hell is an what an okr after I've, I've for the listeners i've already listened to the interview which is really good by the way um um, but yeah, when they started getting into OKRs, I was like, oh, I don't know what that means. And then finally, I think it got said halfway through the interview, and um, and then the penny and dropped. Like, oh. yeah. And then the penny <laughs> dropped. I was like, ah, oh, that's what we, that's what it's all about. That's <laughs> no, cool. So uh, yeah, really great episode. And John's a really really cool guy. I've known him for a while. So um, yeah, with that in mind, shall we uh, shall we jump into the episode? Yeah, let's go for it. I'll uh, see you on the flip side of this interview. Indeed. See you, mate. Hey John, welcome to the show. Great to have you on this uh, on this episode. It's been a, a long time coming. Appreciate you making yes, the time indeed. to uh, connect. Yeah, yeah. So good to uh, be you've had a, a busy start to uh, to 2018. 
yeah it's yeah it's going to be it's going to be a busy old year but uh but yeah a, a positive start so far good 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 so um just for the the benefit of uh, of the listeners obviously mm. you know we've known each other for a little while but um might be good just to introduce yourself give you a you know a little overview of some of the stuff you've done uh, in the past sure. and um then we've got a, a ton of great questions to dive into but uh, before we do do you just want to introduce yourself yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm John Landau. I uh, currently, at least, am the Chief Operating Officer at Wazoku, um, and we're a software as a service innovation management platform working with brands like Waitrose and Aviva and, uh, and, and others globally. So uh, w- with them, I've basically been working with the co-founder in the last four years. Um, we've scaled that business from from its first customer and now we're we're kind of truly global and um and 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 moving forward which is fantastic um and then kind of before i joined wazoku i was uh, part of the founding team at huddle the uh, file sharing collaboration um service um and uh, I, I was part of the team that then kind of helped scale that up from a tiny little four person startup when i when i joined through um, about 150 million dollars in funding rounds and opening offices in San Francisco, New York, uh, as well as our London office, and growing that. Um, and now I'm I'm also kind of helping a small portfolio of B2B startups as well to kind of get ready to scale for their future too. So uh, been been working in the in the kind of yeah B2B startup world for for some time now. Very cool, very cool, and I'm looking forward to digging into some of that experience over the next 20 minutes or so. And um, you've got kind of predominantly a sort of operations and kind of customer success background, haven't you, in terms yes, of the stuff yeah. you've done within those. those yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, again, it'd be, be great to kind of dig into how those sorts of, um, you know, business functions interact with marketing and how they can kind of build stronger partnerships and stuff. So I think that'll definitely be an area to kind of... Uh, uh, focus on out uh, throughout this uh, this episode so um yeah just to kind of kick things off then um i guess actually you know very much building on that sort of operations experience that you've had um mm. at huddle and uh, and what have you um typically sales and marketing are kind of seen as the the, the parts of the business that have you know, perhaps the the closest synergies and and, and arguably have the the tightest partnerships but um, i think the same could be said for the operations folks as well and it'd be good to kind of get a, a sense from from your experience, particularly within the startup world, about mm. how that's typically worked, whether um, operations and marketing leaders have kind of taken full advantage of, you know, the, the synergies of, of working together and, and kind of collaborating more and uh, just kind of get your your view on, on how those two kind of units can come better together. Yeah, no, I think it's interesting, though, isn't it, as you say, it's kind of sales and marketing are, are always seen as, um, and obviously, in a way, rightly as as being right at the forefront of of the business. And I think um, the operations function it's probably one of the biggest challenges, really, within the the kind of startup world, especially when you in businesses like Huddle and Wazoki, where we've been growing quickly and um, taking rounds of funding, is really around scaling. So. Um, uh, and it affects every function in the business. So how do you hire the right people, the best people, creating kind of seamless, repeatable processes and, and then managing performance across all of those different functions? And I think really that's where operations, if you like, sits to, to kind of be that glue in between all of these different mm-hmm. functions and how it can partner really well with marketing to actually bring marketing um, front and center just as much as sales, just as much as customer or product whatever it may be, mm. is just making sure that that 
that glue kind of fits across the business and everything can scale correctly and people all have the direction that they need to go in. Um, and I think the way I see that is around, it's that question of you can, you can kind of growth hack a business to say, well, we're, we're, we're going to go and, and get some customers in and we're going to go and try and make sure that they're successful using our product or our service. And we can, try and do some stuff to get some some press and some marketing and get some inbound leads whatever it may be but in order to truly scale that business successfully you need those simple repeatable processes you need to be hiring great talent and fundamentally retaining that great talent <laughs> you've got to be looking at your costs and keeping your costs under control because you've got your your uh, investors and everyone else to be uh, pleasing at the same time as uh, as, as your customers, um, and then you've you've also got all of your KPIs and, and and making sure that your targets are visible and you're sharing in success. And I think that's that's where the operations function holds those things together and is in partnership, perhaps with those different departments. Yeah, interesting. And um, you know, I've worked for both you know huge um, multinationals, Microsoft, and, and smaller organisations, and um, it's funny. Both of for those types of orgs have very much kind of had a very strong interaction with with operations, and mm. you know, it's almost like the operations function is the, the the kind of foundation that the the business from a commercial perspective is very much built from. And yes. you know, I think particularly with with startups, you know, the run you run the risk of of building that business on on sand if you don't have that strong kind of operations exactly. kind of um, yeah you know component, I guess. So um, yeah, it's, I think you know, particularly the the kind of KPI setting and just kind of you know the processes and structure as as kind yeah. of sometimes unsexy as that sounds. Um, <laughs> I think you know, without it, you just don't have a sustainable business, quite frankly. Right. I mean, I've been in, I guess, a fortunate position in, in, in lots of ways that in both of those businesses, I've been there um, at the start when we've been winning our first customers. Um, and so that relationship between the business and the customer and then how you hire and how you scale behind it mm. can be formed um, if you can see that hole from the beginning. So uh, in a way, it's it's been kind of fortunate that, that in both businesses, we've had a sense of, well, we need to know how we put these processes in place, how we make sure that we're in a position that if we do decide we're going to take some more funding and we're going to hire another 50 salespeople and different territories, we know how to actually scale behind it and make sure that we can be successful there. Um but, but of course, the other thing that you've got to remember in the, the, the kind of startup size is just how flexible things need to be and how quickly things can change. I mean, if you, you know, with Huddle, for example, we very quickly pivoted from a kind of freemium model into um, a, a more enterprise model over a period of really only in reality a few months into into how we were doing things. And it, and it totally changed the commercial model in the business that therefore changed the way that we were marketing, that we needed to be driving um, driving leads into our business, the way that, w- that we were therefore doing our legals and our processes behind and, and all of that shifted very quickly. So again, the, the understanding of the flexibility as well as that structure um, mm-hmm. is, is necessary too, really. No, for sure, and you know, I think being nimble is is key, and you know, regardless of what size 
organization you're working in across you know b2b and b2c and uh, do, do you have any sort of tips for for maybe marketing folks in particular in terms of you know they're they're at the kind of you know the front line you know that they're seeing changes within the marketplace uh, they're, they're they're kind of researching you know new markets etc etc and then how do they then perhaps take that and feed that into the operations team in order to perhaps you know um, pivot like you mentioned um, in terms of what's needed rather than kind of perhaps coming up against a fairly inflexible kind of you know group of colleagues yeah. perhaps if you know what I mean yeah of course I mean if, from my perspective I think it's about um, or, or from what I've seen, certainly, I, I think it's about understanding your customer base. If if the feedback from the um, uh, from from marketing or from a sales function, but but the feedback is that that um, the feedback from customers is not driving what we need it to, or we're not we're not. We don't truly understand who we're working with or how we're working with them. We're not seeing that develop in the way that we want to. Then I think that that that, that can drive back in to say, well, how, how do we process this? Let's take, for example, the relationship between um, a customer success function and a marketing team where um, the the idea from the customer success side is that obviously you're trying to get value out of your customers you're trying to drive how they utilize your service your product um but the, the you need to be driving in those customer stories into marketing to be able to uh, for marketing to be able to take those forward and generate case studies generate content generate interesting tidbits of information in order to be to be putting that forward what i have found is that alone building those two sides of a business alone can be quite mutually exclusive until there's something in the middle which says you guys need to be working together in order to help drive this and if those things aren't working successfully together then i think um it's quite difficult for you to pivot and change because you don't truly understand your customer um does that, does that kind of make sense yeah and, yeah no totally totally and you know i think you know, in order for that to work, um, you, you kind of need the right culture in place that is, mm. you know, more more customer centric and, um, you know, and perhaps data driven and, and all of those things that, you know, are quite kind of hot in terms of, you know, the, the conversations taking place in the marketing world at the moment. And, you know, particularly with your experience of, of building, you know, really successful organizations from, you know, four people upwards. Um yeah. Have you got any kind of um, advice again for, for either marketing or, or or operations people that might be listening to, to this podcast that are coming from more from, from your community that yeah. can kind of help guide that sort of initial development of, of culture and creation of culture more to the point to yeah. to kind of yeah. enable this customer first uh, environment to to kind of be be in place? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I think it's something that that I mean, I'm hugely passionate about. Um, getting culture right in a business. And, and I think I've seen that in, in both Huddle and Wazoku really drive the success of the business because um, those the people there and the passion of those people that, that you bring in are the ones who are then going to drive it. It can't just be led by the founders or just by the leaders in the business because it, 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 you can't drag everyone else along with you. You need everyone to be passionate um, about what you're trying to achieve. And, and I think it's a, 
uh, you know, I consider it a bit of a privilege, really, that, that I've been able to, to build these teams from scratch and to be able to create the culture in the way that I want to. You know, you kind of take the best bits of some of the places you've worked or your friends have worked or you've learned about other businesses and gone and seen them and, and throw out the parts that you think are crap and then try and kind of build something that, that you personally would, would love to work in. Um, and, and I think, it, you know, we can talk about perks and every team talks about what perks are we offering and everything is just so much of a muchness now the gym memberships the the i know pensions healthcare, funky offices team outings ski trips whatever it, i mean it's all everyone just expects these things now they're much of a muchness it's it's not a differentiation anymore um and i think it's now about how um well, and I think actually those were the things that startups, for example, tried to differentiate themselves with over corporates. But now everyone does it and it's mm. kind of impossible to really know. And I don't think that drives culture. I think that's just driving what you're what you're giving to people and, and how they experience the organization. But it's not going to be the thing that drives the culture. Um, and so I think when you're talking about culture, I think you need to be thinking about longevity of staff, retaining those staff. Because those are the things, if you retain your team, the people who join as you scale, as you grow, are the ones who are going to learn from those existing people. And those are the ones that you want. You want those those people like I was at Huddle, you know, there for seven years in that startup journey, the person who people looked to as part of the culture of the business and to understand it. So to me, everything is about trust and flexibility those are the things for me of any tips i'm going to provide to any team about scaling is around have um trust in your teams to deliver what you're asking them to it means you've got a higher well and you've got a higher for trust but give the teams that you're working with the responsibility to deliver what you're asking of them so you know and have the flexibility behind it so not everyone likes being in an office others thrive on the atmosphere in an office if people are working better in different locations or in different environments then give them that opportunity if you can um so uh, as an example um we at wazoku we've offered truly unlimited holiday it's not a gimmick it, it, as, as it is with some places but, but this is a true reflection of understanding different people's priorities in their lives when they need to have downtime as well as when they're going to need to be very busy um we offer flexible working hours so you know i'm a parent and, and i want to be able to do the school run and spend time at home when i need to but obviously i know that i'm going to be working a lot of the time as well in my life um but then it's about driving that flexibility needs to be paid back by that member of staff in terms of the trust that they have in you and the trust that you have in them. How how do you give young people an opportunity to grow and how do you give more experienced people the chance to lead? Those are the, the areas that if you've got your targets right, if you understand what people are doing, you've got the right systems in place to be able to keep track and monitor what's going on, giving that that trust to people to deliver without being you know constantly barraged with where are you what's going on can really really help drive um uh, the, the culture in that team or that business yeah i i, I, I totally agree you know when i think of the things that i value most uh in terms of you know the cultures in the organizations that i've worked for it's definitely you know it's it's less about you know 
free great coffee and as much coke mm. and stuff as you can drink it, it is about the flexibility and kind of almost like empowerment that that they yeah. give you as a as an individual to to do you know great work quite frankly and you know they're the environments that I thrive the most in and you know have, have quite frankly enjoyed the most and um, you know I think you, you kind of alluded to it as well around kind of targets and what have you but I think a key part of enabling that is having very clear and specific kind of um, sort of metrics in place in order to kind of measure the impact those individuals are having and then empowering them to go away and, and, and deliver those in, you know, the way that they feel, you know, um, you know, best works for them, you know, could be working from home, could be working from the coffee shop, could be, you know, taking four weeks off in, in the summer. But, um, mm. you know, I think those, those kind of metrics are a key kind of enabler in some ways. And um, again, in terms of the roles that you've had within, um, you know, within your career, you've obviously been very much at the heart of, of setting those kind of structures around mm. performance, etc. And um, have you got any thoughts on, on kind of how that process is, is evolving? Um, you know, obviously, particularly marketing is becoming you know, much more data and metric driven than it's ever been before. And, you know, obviously there's a lot of kind of, um, you know, organizations kind of really doubling down on setting things like OKRs. Um, You know, have you got any thoughts on on kind of the role all of that kind of um, plays in in kind of creating an environment for great work? Yeah, definitely. And, And I think it's interesting, especially around the marketing um, side, as you say, with 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 the amount of data that we now have from that marketing side in the business, and what we can actually therefore do with it, and what conclusions we can draw from it, um, and I think you know I've, I've witnessed that shift over over the last while from from it being a kind of dark art into something that we can really measure. Um, but but I think. It, Again, I think this is where, as you mentioned, OKRs, and it's something that that I've spent quite a lot of time on in the last couple of years, um, has been um, how we drive it. And and I think think it's where I've seen, so for example, if we're looking at KPIs in the business in a a traditional sense, um, and we're looking at our overall um, objective as a business, we're we're a sales-driven business, both Huddle and Wazoku, it's always sales-driven what business are we closing? What business are we renewing? How are we making sure that we're hitting those targets? And fundamentally, those are the the true drivers as well as, um, um, you know, kind of building our pipeline in the background and, and our hiring plans. The, the rest of it tended to feel like it was falling by the wayside. So product management, how are we developing our roadmap and how are we building that for our customer base? Um, how are we delivering on our product plan? Are we actually building the features that we said we're going to, are we estimating correctly? Are we delivering correctly? And the same on marketing. Are we truly driving what we need to from a marketing perspective? Are we, um, do we know what our cost base is in order to make sure that we're able to um, to drive the growth that we need to over the long term? And, you know, in some of these cases, our sales cycle is, is six to 12 months for some of our enterprise deals. And therefore, we've got to be looking that far out from our pipeline as well. So, um the the way that that um i i've been been learning around okrs and and the way that i've tried to put this into place is how we actually say as a business we have our objective of growing our sales pipeline hitting our sales objectives and you know perhaps maintaining a, a happy and healthy productive culture in our business as well maybe three core objectives 
and what are those results that are driving that underneath and how do each team understand the interplay of those results to make sure that they know what they are driving that helps other teams achieve their goals so how do marketing understand that if we are driving a certain number of demo requests leads into in via hubspot into our pipeline how how do we understand the conversion ratios of those so that we can understand how marketing are playing a part in the future growth of our business and that they can see um the 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 effects that they can have by overachieving on those targets likewise with with our with our customer team as i was talking about before how do we have some key results around driving customer success stories so that we can drive enough content into marketing so that marketing can be constantly producing and refreshing our content to help us drive more leads in our target markets. The interplay of those targets is, I think, what what OKRs has helped me drive within the business and therefore has, has, has helped us as, a, as an organization to understand how every team can play a part in that. Um, so, it, you know, I, I think it is bringing marketing a bit more into the center of things, if you like. Interesting. interesting. How often do you kind of review those OKRs as you go out th- through the year? So, you know, do you kind of set them at the beginning of the year and then that's it? Or, or do you tend to kind of uh, finesse them as you go throughout the year in, in terms yeah. of the needs of the business and stuff? It's more quarterly for us. So we set them quarterly um, as objectives and the key results we want to drive. We may totally scrap those at the end of the quarter and say that that wasn't really driving what we wanted it to and refresh it. But um, I think a quarterly period is is the right uh, overall opportunity to measure them. But we actually look at them on a weekly basis as a management group. So every Monday morning at 8.30 in the morning on, on Mondays, whether we're in the office or we're dialing in or whatever it may be, um, as a management group, we look through our OKRs and, and everyone's responsible for making sure that, that their numbers are um, you know, are updated and everyone and everyone knows where we're up to and we'll have a discussion about that. It's not always a discussion. You know, we're not looking at these on the basis of, of you know, kind of um, beating people up for, for not having moved the, their, their results forward each week. But it's more about is this giving us an indicator of where we might be doing something you know not doing enough in certain areas or, yeah. or got something wrong is it not driving what we wanted to we'll still measure it but we'll move on next quarter and we won't look at that again and we've we've had a few of those for example you know we were measuring um the number of leads that were driven by the marketing um, um team into um the sales team or into our into our marketing funnel more precisely um and we we were looking at those numbers of leads and we were driving them in. But then, we, you know, we kind of stopped and, and looked at this and said, well, it's not actually driving sales pipeline for us. We're not even though we increase the number of leads, it's not increasing our sales pipeline. What we actually need to do is drive them further down the sales funnel, down down the marketing funnel into what we call a discovery call. What actually the opportunity of talking directly with one of our junior sales guys. Um, so actually, let's look at measuring further down that that funnel and targeting ourselves on that because that is the thing that will help us drive the number of connections we're making with potential customers um so it's that type of indicator that it's showing us so i think quarterly seems right for us sure sure and are there there any uh, particular tools that you use to to kind of collate and manage all this data so you've got that sort of almost real-time 
view on on the health of the business so you know things like i don't know power bi or or anything like that i'm sure there's lots of people that are kind of looking at tools at the moment that, that might be listening to the the show and um you know is anything particularly that you recommend yeah, well, actually, we, we, we started using Power BI and have moved away from it, um, frankly, but I think that's more about Microsoft's pricing model for it than <laughs> it is about the usefulness of the tool. Um, the uh, I think we, we've tried out a few things, and frankly, right now, we're, we're, we're at a pretty um, 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 manual version of it, if you like, and we're actually just using shared um, a shared OneDrive um, area and a shared spreadsheet because it's it's just it's actually proving just as easy for us to be inputting our metrics and to be making sure that they're updated on a weekly basis as it is for us to be using um, a more expensive real time piece of kit. So um, there, there is tons of stuff out there, but but yeah, I, I wouldn't say that I'm I, I would specifically advise using something at, at the stage that we're at because I think you know we're we're capable of managing it. Um, uh, on a close-knit basis ourselves sure sure so it's probably more about the the discipline of actually capturing and recording the data rather than where it's actually sitting yeah for, for us it's the structure of it this yeah, this yeah. is a, it's a management discipline um and it's and it's an oversight in into the business that that, that we need um rather than something that that right now at least we want to have up on um, you know, kind of heads up displays in every corner of the office and driving everything that people are doing because it's, you know, it, it changes so frequently. It's it's something that um, each team is monitoring their own individual um, key results, of course. Um, but from an overall management perspective, it's pretty much just shared at a, at a senior management level. Sure, sure. That no, makes sense. Um, so changing kind of tack slightly um, during the, the kind of, um, you know, chat we had before we actually started recording we were saying how well let's just turn off all of our notifications slack trello etc and it kind of leads quite nicely into something that i've kind of become uh, quite passionate about lately around sort of just mm-hmm. balance and not just work-life balance but just kind of mindfulness in general you know a lot of these tools yep. we use right now are are amazing and allow us to to kind of connect with colleagues all over the world at um, you know at times that work for us but at the same time you know we are more kind of available than we ever have been and you know that that can have its advantages and and disadvantages and uh, I know this is something that you've you've also been looking at a lot lately and um, it'd be great to get some thoughts for you in terms of how you you personally as a as a parent and, and business leader kind of create that balance to you know a create great work but but also you know make sure it becomes you know uh, not a an unhealthy kind of uh, connection with work if that makes sense yeah, yeah and i think i i, I think it's it, it's the kind of modern malaise isn't it of 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 this constant battle of of work slash life balance this um this idea of of uh, you know um i know french government telling people that they've got to switch off email servers from 5 p.m onwards or you know all, all of this type of stuff which, which is just uh, i think is getting in the way of of the the actual reality of things and and i think about it um not as a work-life balance but as a working life um i uh, and that's my philosophy is is just well the businesses that i um, am helping to build and the flexibility and the and the empowerment as 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 your word earlier which i think is great that, that we're giving to our teams is about giving them the responsibility to understand how they um, can live their working life and deliver what we need as a business, but not have to see themselves as as 
switching themselves off completely or when they're on or, or when they're off. Uh, this is about saying, well, you know, I may very well need to take a call with with someone in Sydney with a customer at, at you know, silly o'clock in the morning in order to um, um, to help drive that customer relationship. But I know, therefore, that, well, I'll give myself a little bit more time in the day to um, relax after that and, and to and to give myself a chance to to recover from that. And I, and I would expect the same of my teams in the business as well, because it may very well be that, that you know, your, your phone is pinging at 10 p.m. because there's an issue and you've got to handle it. Well, then take that time and balance your life as you need to around your work. And I think I think, you know, the mindfulness stuff plays into this. And, and, and you're right. I've, I've looked at this a huge amount um, in the last while around mental health in the workplace um, and um, physical health, because I think it's 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 hugely um, interlinked and there's there's so many studies out at the moment between mental health and physical health in the workplace um, linking a good positive working um, culture and a good po- positive working life with um, good mental health and therefore less sickness and, and less um, um, issues in, in the business and I think it plays back into what we were talking about before about retention of staff and, and the culture and um, so not only am I um, a parent and have that to deal with and I have another baby due in um, in early April as well which will be a, a, a new set of challenges um, but I also have multiple sclerosis um, and it's something that that um, I handle quite carefully in my life is it's not only about how I balance my um, my work but it's also how I balance my health how I make sure that that I'm not overdoing something or getting too stressed or getting too tired so that my physical health is is adversely affected and mindfulness has played a big part in that to be able to say well actually when I get the opportunity give myself 10-15 minutes to um, to take myself out of the working day just give myself some time to breathe and to relax and to let things wash over me and to just just be as they say um, and and I, I've tried this quite a lot in the office, and I've and I've been looking at quite a few tools. There's there's an amazing business um, uh, mental health startup called Sanctus that that I've been um, working with a bit, um, and um, it, they're driving this um, um, mental health pledge within the workplaces and making sure that I mean that their their overall aim is the idea that they want a mental health gym on every street corner just like we've got physical health gyms everywhere how do we look after our mental health as well and i'm so passionate about driving that into the workplace culture is making sure that people have an opportunity to take themselves away and to have some downtime and thereby help manage their working life better in the long run because it's you know it's a pretty long old working life these days and it can be quite tough so um so i, I you know I think that leads back into that empowerment is if I as a as an operational leader in that business can empower people not just to have flexibility um, but to understand how to live their working life in a more mindful way then hopefully that leads to better retention of staff it leads to a better culture and you know down the line hopefully that leads to achieving our targets better as well. No, for sure. And, you know, I, I love all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, I think 
moving forward more and more companies as much as you know we, we were discussing earlier you know like free coffee free coke you know free snacks in the in the kitchen um yeah. you know i think um you know business leaders should be you know maybe offering free subscriptions to things like headspace and encouraging yeah. folks to actually you know block out time in their in their calendars that you know is 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 theirs to to have those you know 10 15 20 minutes to themselves just to kind of you know take a bit of a, a mental breather because you know it can be relentless in in the workplace without having those times to just kind of you know disconnect and and like you say just just breathe and and kind of be alone for a little bit and yeah. um you know it, it sounds to me like you know that's that's definitely something that we're going to be seeing a lot more of moving forward but um yeah. I've looked into um, some VR technology around this as well, because I think that will be really interesting to see how um, and how you can bring that in. One of the things that I, I know that, that we've struggled with in, in when we've looked at this kind of mindfulness in the workplace is actually the ability for people to actually kind of shut the outside world off. Mm -hmm. In, in the workplace and take those 10 minutes it's kind of difficult in the working day to do it you're more likely to just you know go for a walk to Pret and buy yourself a sandwich and say that's good enough um but but I've actually looked at kind of VR technology and saying well is there a future in um in kind of having VR headsets available in the workplace so that actually you can physically and mentally take yourself away from the workplace even though you're there as well and I think that could be a, an interesting thing for the best companies in the future too yeah, that that could be amazing. I was actually at the the Tate um, yesterday, and they've got a a VR experience as, as part of one of the exhibitions that literally, you know, takes you to a a French studio in in 1910 or whatever it was, and you know, you've got smoke from the cigarette on the the table, and you know, you literally feel like you're you're kind of um, you know teleported to to, to that kind of um, you know environment, or whatever. But the reason I mention it is obviously the Tate is a super busy gallery and this was literally sat in the middle of you know arguably one of the busiest places in the whole of the gallery and yet as soon as you put that headset on you you feel like you're alone you're just sitting yeah. in that um in that studio and um you know i think actually to your point of putting vr headsets into offices and you know giving people the time just to kind of disconnect is is a great idea i hadn't really thought of that as a, as a use it, for that kind of thing that's really cool there's an amazing company um, who, who we use, um, Charlie HR, um, as our HR software, um, and they did a brilliant um, thing. They, they took out a unit in Old Street Station, just one of the um, one of the old shop units there, um, and they you know they did a campaign around how people weren't taking their holiday allowance, and they allowed people to book online slots, uh, 15 minute holidays. Um, and so people were turning up at Old Street Station, sticking a VR headset on, sitting in a deck chair, get, give, given a free beer, and were able to just take a 15 minute holiday and sit on a beach somewhere. That's amazing. Uh, and I just love that idea of just saying, well, this is what employers could be doing is just saying, get out of the workplace. But in the workplace, get yourself, get your head out of it, even if your body isn't. And anyway, I think there'll be a there'll, there'll be a thing around that in future. And and, and I'm for sure you know, massively <laughs> interested in it. <laughs> no, no, I'm with you on that one. And um, so, uh, are there any other kind of um, you know apps you're using around that whole kind of mindfulness area at the moment? You know, is, is there something that you use specifically, or you just kind of you've already quite disciplined just to kind of carve out time anyway? 
Um, well, I, weirdly enough, they're, they're, well, there's two things. I use calm actually rather than okay. heads, mm-hmm. um, and and I, I I quite like the the kind of visualizations on on calm. Um, I, I'm I'm not really one for guided meditation or mindfulness. I, I prefer to to just have my own space. So I quite like what calm do. But actually, you know, the, the weirdest thing I find is that my my favorite place to meditate is the tube in the mornings. As crazy as it sounds, um, I actually I, I I live right at the end of the Northern Line, um, and I can stick my headphones on and um basically just be in a world of like kind of chilled out down tempo music (laughs) and i can block out all of the rest of the noise and i know i've got a long old commute down into the city but but actually it just allows me just to to stop and concentrate on the rest of the world not really kind of existing even though i'm sitting right in it so so i it, weirdly i actually find the tube a relaxing place which i know millions don't so <laughs> it's, oh well <laughs> <laughs> i might have to start uh, using my tube jannies a little differently then and uh, <laughs> give uh, give karma try and uh, you should check out actually kevin rose came out with a, a new um meditation app uh, just before oh, yeah. christmas called oak and um you know that's very much more about kind of unguided meditations with you know different sound effects and what have you um and yeah it's really cool it's a free app as well whereas obviously you know headspace and calm is more subscription based isn't it in terms of getting access to all the kind of features if you like but um yeah just check it out it's called oak it's a pretty cool app yeah yeah. thanks cool so um mindful that just continue with the mindfulness bit but uh, mindful that i've kept (laughs) kept you on the uh on the on the call for perhaps a little bit longer than i said but um is there anything you kind of want to kind of um direct people to in terms of you know your twitter uh websites anything like that any other shout outs um uh, yeah sure well so so i yeah i mean if anyone wants to contact me um my my web address is just johnlandau.me um and uh, my twitter is is johnny landau j o n y um and uh, so, you know, feel free to, to reach out to me if anyone wants any um, any advice about anything that, that, that I've talked about. Um, but uh, but yeah. And, and if you go to my LinkedIn, I've got a, um, a, a funky animation about customer success as well, which might be quite useful if you're talking about how you how you turn customers into these brand ambassadors and, and, and have that customer and marketing function working closely together as well. So uh, potentially worth having a look at. Very cool. And we'll add all those links to the, the show notes as well so that people don't have to kind of dig around too much. But um, but yeah, thanks so much, John. Really appreciate your time. That was a really great discussion. And um, yeah, good luck with the future endeavours. Thank um, you very much. Yeah, we'll have to catch up soon for a, a beer or something. Yeah, brilliant. Brilliant. Good to speak to you, mate. Thank you. Awesome. Take care now, mate. That was really interesting, dude. Um, I really uh, kind of, it really resonated with me around the the idea of having to like operationalize marketing, you know, and and that whole idea of scaling scaling things. Um, I I, I guess uh, it's it's really hard for businesses to become a or at least big businesses, you know, the the one big corporate I've I've worked in, actually being agile in those types of organisations can be very tough. So if he's managing to do it, even in a kind of startup environment, you know, like Huddle grew kind of considerably, for sure, um, and 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 still trying to maintain some of that that agile thinking and and momentum uh, in a, in a larger organisation. Anybody that's achieving that, I I put my uh, 
hands together for them and 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 applaud them you know it's 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 not easy to do yeah yeah and i think he yeah really shares some good advice on how to kind of achieve that around culture and, and stuff like that and i guess also the need for for marketeers to to kind of view the operations folks as as partners you know historically it's sales and marketing that that kind of typically work together on a day-to-day basis and you know i think operations are definitely a, a kind of key ally in terms of kind of building a strong foundation for for marketing and sales to kind of build build the business around really so uh yeah i think he's got some really great tips and um yeah he's a really cool guy that's been there and done it and um yeah i know he's got some exciting kind of plans for the future which i'm sure we'll all be following closely and uh yeah it's a, yeah. It's a cool one kind of made me chuckle that the guy meditates on the underground that's probably one of the most stressful environments you can ever <laughs> I know it's the last mean. place I would probably yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. think of meditating but actually it's probably yeah. the place where I need to meditate the most <laughs> yeah 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 probably yeah. yeah it's kind of funny like I haven't checked out Calm I, I sort of checked out Headspace and played around with it a little bit but never really got into it so I might have a quick look at Calm and see what that's like yeah, have a look. I mean, I've actually had a Headspace subscription. I've actually just renewed my third year now, so I actually use wow. it quite a lot. Um, I'm quite into all that kind of stuff. But um, not sure if we mentioned it actually in the interview or whether it was after we, we finished recording, but um, Kevin Rose has actually just come out with a new meditation app called Oak um, okay. that currently is free. Right. So um, that might be worth having a look at. Um, it's it's kind of a mix of, of kind of Headspace and Calm in that there's some guided meditation but it's mostly kind of just um you know sound effects and what have you just to create this kind of you know serene kind of environment for you to to kind of disconnect but um but check it out it's free and um yeah they've got some really cool um kind of animations that kind of uh, um you know chart your progress through the app and what have you and uh, yeah the fact that it's free it's all good yeah cool cool check that out so i guess um we need to get on to things we've seen uh recently i guess in the in the market uh or conversations or industry or or any any of the above i guess i think uh i've got kind of um i guess i've got two uh that have cropped up so i'm part of the uh, dma customer engagement council which means that we basically talk about customer engagement how do how do we get more of it how do we acquire customers through engagement and all that kind of stuff so uh, and i was actually there today um dma are well oh, worth checking out um if if our listeners don't already as uh, the direct marketing association, association yeah. yeah i think they're called and obviously they combined with the uh, idm institute of direct and digital marketing um a little while ago so they are a, a, a marketing force to be reckoned with now are they going to be combining the brands or are they still going to run those two brands separately because all my professional qualifications are with the idm yeah and, sure. um, i'm not sure how i feel about it kind of merging yeah with the, the DMA, yeah if you know I, what I, mean. I, I don't know to be honest um something is bound to happen yeah it does it seem a bit way. odd running the two kind yeah, of you know but side I, by side but yeah but i don't know is my is my answer i don't know what's happening when it's happening when it's happening but i'm i can guarantee you something, something will happen happening. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And have they moved away from teddington now the idm yeah yeah so they're totally. all moved yeah, into they're all they're all into the dfa or whatever it is yeah yeah, yeah. yeah it's uh, oxford street yeah, yeah yeah just off oxford street oxford yeah. Circus. um but yeah so we went along and there's some you know some pretty kind of 
cool people there and and some interesting conversations uh, and the two that kind of sparked my interest were um there's certain uh, the brands they weren't giving away but there's certain like low budget airlines at the moment where they're talking about giving um the flight ticket away for free because actually they can generate more revenue out of getting the person that's on that flight to download an app and consume content interesting uh, which kind of resonated with me because of the world that I'm sitting in now. And, and one of the things that's really, really interesting in the shift of, around sports is this this kind of big digital space in the middle or digital, like specifically media space in the middle. Obviously, the old school way of, and it still happens, it's not that old school really. It's, you know, basically the live rights of the competition get sold to a broadcaster. And whether that broadcaster's a, a digital platform or it's a pay-per-view platform or it's free-to-air platform, it gets sold that way. And that's where a whole load of money gets made out of selling those rights to broadcasters. But what's happening now is that because digital's come along and people are finding new ways to editorially talk about the sport without infringing on the rights, mm. is people are creating new... Um, content and generating revenue through viewership of that content mm. uh so like copper 90 is probably the the best i know doing it right now and those are the sports guys and literally they go out and do like mini documentaries and go and talk to the fans and sometimes the players but not 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 necessarily often and talk more around the kind of culture of the game and and all that kind of stuff and they are building very successful businesses out of generating this kind of digital only content uh, at the moment so I, I found it quite interesting that yes you've got your main thing okay you sell off a seat on a plane but actually the value of that now to us is is so minimal because it's got so so competitive mm. that we're now looking at other ways of of generating uh revenues and that's coming through digital content and mobile apps and all that sort of stuff so i thought that was really quite interesting yeah that's really interesting and that's mainly uh, in the, the budget airline space yeah apparently so yeah apparently so and then and the other uh, uh the other thing I uh, we were talking about was eHarmony. Apparently, eHarmony had this advert maybe a year ago saying their science would more likely match you to somebody than any other dating platform or whatever it was. Uh, and apparently, like Trading Standards or some organisation got involved um, and basically said you can't you can't actually prove prove that. Um, so they had to kind of withdraw that kind of messaging. Um, and then one of the guys there knows somebody at eHarmony and he said they'd actually got to a point where all these survey questions that you get asked mm -hmm. as part of the matching thing, um, they actually began to be able to work out through one quest, literally one question, whether you'd end up in this relationship for the rest of your life or longer term mm -hmm. than people that didn't. And the one question was, do you enjoy sleeping with your partner? Interesting. So they boiled it all down to this one thing, which, uh, which was, yeah, yeah. And it was interesting. So apparently if you obviously answer in the positive, <laughs> yes, 
<laughs> I love shagging my partner. Uh, you're more likely to basically stay with your partner. And I think the interesting thing for me is, well, you know, we can joke and giggle about it. It's the the biological element of that whole thing. Mm. That's what it boils down to. Like, and you go back to, you know, I always think about the psychology of stuff because that's always been a big interest of mine in marketing. But it always goes back to that caveman brain again. You know, it's all this decision making that we're trying to do and all this complex messaging. And we just go straight back to (laughs) almost the the lowest common denominator. (laughs) And and that's what deems success or not. Uh, (laughs) I love it. um, So, yeah, I found that those were my two kind of slightly random and and interesting, uh, interesting things this week. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. And um yeah, a couple of things that I've seen, um, actually keeping with the, the kind of dating theme in some ways. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this, but um, it kind of made me smile, if, if nothing else. But um, Greg's are doing a, a partnership with Open Table for, for Valentine's night. Right, okay. So Greg's, you know, sandwich shop. Yeah, Not yeah. exactly somewhere you'd think is the obvious place to take your Valentine on the most romantic evening of the year. But um, yeah. Yeah, they've partnered with, with Open Table, and you can actually book a candlelight dinner at Greg's for Valentine's night. Oh, man, I'm Genius. so good at that. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what that reminds me of a little bit, actually, is and I don't know whether it's true or not, but I heard that BrewDog were going to um, put a hotel. bar, or was it a hotel, yeah, over hotel. the border? Have you heard that of oh, the of, of, no, no. No, over the border, the Mexican and U.S. border? Oh my God, amazing! They were going to do that. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, like, I don't know whether that that could have been a big PR thing, and it's something I just heard about. But hey, it must have worked. Because I'm talking about Brew Dog again. No, I did hear they're going to open up a hotel up in Aberdeen or wherever it is where their uh, brewery is, where um, they're going to have actual uh, taps, like beer taps, in all of the rooms. I'm sure I even read somewhere that you can actually take a shower in beer. Mate, I feel like you and I should go and take a shower in beer. <laughs> and whether that's together or not, I don't yeah. know yet. I'm undecided. <laughs> we'll decide at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. how many, many other beers have had. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hilarious. Oh, but, uh, yeah, so, so that made me laugh. And then um, I guess on a, on a more serious note, I, uh, I was at the Bet Show last week. So the Bet Show, if you're not... Too familiar with it. It's the largest ed tech show in the world. It's like 650 exhibitors, 35,000 attendees. It's just huge. And um, I was there for the first time in years as an actual delegate. So historically, I'm always you know on a pretty short leash tied to a booth, running things, etc. But uh, but this year I actually went as a delegate. So I managed to walk around the show and check out everything. And um, it really got me got me thinking around the the value of trade shows. So, yeah. you know, when you look at the likes of, of, of Microsoft, which, you know, I used to, to work uh, for and Google, etc., you know, the big, big brands that have the budget to create true experiences at those events and compare those to, you know, the small kind of startup type firms that have, you know, a, at best a three by two shell scheme booth on the outer edges of the show, which still costs an awful lot of money. It really got me thinking, and you know, it's not something that that's new, but it, it became a lot more real to me because I wasn't kind of you know running something for one of these big brands. Just yeah. kind of the, the value of trade shows if you're not kind of working for one of those brands that have the kind of money to 
to kind of really put on a show, if you like. And yeah. just whether there are far better things you can do than than kind of, you know, showing up on the fringes of these these um, you know big trade shows and what have you. And you know whether you'd be better off creating you know more of an owned experience rather than kind of a third party one through one of these trade shows and you know the value and and, and oh, you know, maybe even disadvantages of doing that so uh, kind of got me thinking really about just you know events in general and yeah you know, that age-old issue around you know I think that with stuff like this particularly kind of is like in a startup world I think like the um like guerrilla tactics like yeah, going to yeah, do yeah. something where you're kind of standing outside, like I, I don't know what it is, but I, you know, I used to see Salesforce, like any anywhere there was like an Oracle kind of nice ev- yeah, yeah. event, Salesforce would come along and do guerrilla tactics. I remember being at an Adobe event, um, and and part of their social media, um, or, or and I was working closely with the Adobe social media team, mm. and one of their competitors was sitting in a hotel outside of the event. Nice. Tweeting on the hashtag saying, our product's cheaper and better. We're in the hotel next door. Come and have a chat with us for a free beer and free lunch. Hilarious. So I actually think like yeah, when you're yeah. in that kind of startup mode, you need to be not, it's not like sneaky and underhanded. No, just no, clever, no. Just clever and intelligent. Yeah, yeah. Just and, be creative. And-, and, and yeah. And I actually think, do you know what? Like one of the biggest, um, the biggest things is creativity, right? It's, yeah, it's sure. how can you creatively um, get into the marketplace to get yourself noticed? You know, one dollar shave club, dude. That guy yeah, spent genius. five five yeah, grand yeah. on a video and sold his sold his business like two years, three years later, whatever it was, for a lot of money. Um, so, you know, it's really about being creative. I think yeah, yeah. I think creativity is like once you're a big big old big ass brand, you just spend loads of money on advertising and mm. you know you optimize stuff. But actually, in the early days, like the creativity is, it's not the make or break. Obviously, you need lots of business decisions, and and you know marketing is not the be all and end all yeah, of yeah, any. You definitely help cut through the noise, can't you? And um, yeah, totally. You know, totally, we were yeah. obviously talking about huddle earlier because of you know John being interviewed, and uh, I remember. It's quite a few years ago now, probably like seven, eight years ago. Um, you know, at the time they were very much competing with SharePoint, so yeah. you know, Microsoft essentially, and they actually showed up at the annual SharePoint conference with a marching band and basically go. paraded through the conference with this huge marching band. So you know, like yeah. trumpets, you name it, in the full marching band outfit. And, you know, with all these, like, no SharePoint kind of type, um, you know, signage and all that kind of stuff. And, yeah. you know, you, you've got to, you know, I guess tread carefully with that kind of stuff because it, it can actually come across as a little kind of cringeworthy. But I think they definitely pulled it off. And, yeah. you know, I guess, you know, to your point, it's just an example of actually thinking creatively and kind of having a bit of nerve to try something yeah. different. Absolutely, can can kind of uh, you know really pay dividends. So uh, yeah, yeah, no, it was, it was an interesting one, but uh, but yeah. So uh, they're the two from me this week. Cool, cool. Um, I guess I've just got one last thing, and this is total self promotion because we've created this platform. We may as well do it. Indeed. Um, I am obviously in the process of building my marketing team. I've got about uh, yes. six open vacancies at the moment. 
So should anybody want to come and join me uh, in the world of basketball and marketing, uh, you can just follow me on Twitter or LinkedIn or any other social media channel you could ever think of. <laughs> Take send, me a send me a message. I'll send you some links to some jobs. Uh, it's all digital marketing focused. Um, and, uh, and and we can go and have a lot of fun together in the world of basketball marketing. So that that's my very uh, cool. That's my uh, little pitch. And I, cool. I Are they like never junior to do that up to again. more senior stuff? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, we've got one very kind of junior role, like literally straight out of university, mm -hmm. digital marketing executive kind of role. Um, we've got uh, a digital project manager, so it's more of a project management role. Cool. And then after that, it is yeah, social media management manager digital marketing managers and and it's all very cool projects you know very cool projects that uh i'm they're a little bit kind of gutted that i'm not in the weeds or i'm going to be in the weeds of them as much as my team will be in trying to make them all successful because uh, i think that's a lot of the fun as well i still love getting my hands dirty i think it's yeah, a, yeah. I, I think even as a global cmo mr uh, mr bush <laughs> that you still need to get your hands dirty every now and again yeah, and remind yourself. Away, you? yeah, 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 exactly. Remind yourself what, what it's all about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, cool. And are all those roles based in the UK? I know you're constantly yeah, travelling to all at, sorts yeah, of offices. One's, one's in China. One's in cool. China, but the rest are based in, in, and around, um, in and around the UK, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll definitely uh, see if I know anyone and send them your way. Thank you, sir. Good stuff. So, uh well, that's another show under our belts. Yeah, number six, mate, I think. Yeah, number think. six. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're getting up there. Yeah, we are, yeah. <laughs> we, we, we just got to get some more regularity now. Indeed, we'll, we'll indeed. We'll be good to go. And we do have some good guests lined up. It's just a case of actually getting dates in the diaries with them, which uh, yeah, is proving to be a challenge. But, um, but no, we're, we're getting there. So, uh, yeah, episode six, crazy. Cool, man. See you in episode seven. Indeed, indeed. And um, anyone that's listening, if you want to give us a, a five-star review in iTunes, I'll be forever grateful. And, Me too. Um, yeah, and yeah, until the, next, until the next one. Take it easy, mate. See you, man. Take care. Bye. Thanks Bye. for listening to Real Marketing Wrap. And if you like what you heard, don't forget to share the word. You can follow Joe on Twitter at Joe and Tim at TBush. Big shout out to DJ Tiger Style for the music. You can check him out on djtigerstyle.com. For more about us, join our WhatsApp group. You can check that out on realmarketingrap.com. Peace out, people, and keep it real till next time. The bloopers. Well, please promise me you'll at least go and check out one craft beer place in Portland. I will do my utmost, mate. Yeah, I I do it, even if evidence, I don't check out a place, I'll at yeah. least drink one. <laughs> <laughs> I want photographic evidence.